Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. How can the Denver Broncos offensive line improve in 2021 from a personnel and an execution standpoint? We take a look at all the nuts and bolts from the inside of the Broncos offensive line to the outside areas they could clean up and what they absolutely must do in order to translate that into success in 2021. We break it down on today's brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Director of Video Content at Pro Football Network and Broncos Analyst for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, you can follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos. Make sure you like us on every social media platform that you have. Not to mention, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Broncos, where you get the podcast in daily video format. And also your favorite audio podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app. But Broncos country, hope you're doing well. Happy Friday, wherever you are at. Just some Broncos news and notes to kick off today's episode of the show before we get into the bread and butter about the Broncos offensive line and how they can improve. We were able to hear from Broncos wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner, Deontay Spencer yesterday in a media press conference. Now the Broncos... OTA practices have officially concluded. Today is the last day. And then next week, we are going to get into the mix a little bit with mandatory minicamp. Things are going to start to ramp up a little bit. The player's going to complete that, and then bam, they're going to have some time off. And then we have training camp at the end of July where we're going to be providing exclusive coverage of the Denver Broncos, the ongoing quarterback battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. But Deontay Spencer met with the media yesterday. And the thing about Deontay, I think he's often at times lost in the shuffle of where maybe the wide receiver depth currently is right now. And rightfully so. We've even done that here on the podcast. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, KJ Handler, all of these players, ideally right now on paper, if we look at it, they appear like they're going to be a little bit higher than Deontay Spencer in terms of wide receiver rotation. But Deontay Spencer can actually provide some value for the Broncos. Now, last year when KJ Hamler had his hamstring injury and a concussion, Deontay Spencer played his role. So the Broncos aren't just going through the motions as if Deontay Spencer is never going to play a role in the rotation in any way, shape or form. He's definitely in the plans to do so. He mentioned that the team will design plays and he'll go out and he'll execute them best of his ability. The Broncos always have to be prepared for every option, right? Because, yes, K.J. Handler, with how fast he is, we've seen the the issue with some of these ligament injuries, the soft tissue muscle injuries that he has had with hamstrings, you know, quads, groins, I mean, anything like that. You could pull it. Um, you have to have another guy there. And I think that Deontay Spencer honestly replicates probably what K.J. Handler could do better than anybody else right now in the Broncos roster. And I, I think it's something we have to keep an eye on. But for a guy like Deontay Spencer, I mean, he has really solidified himself for the Broncos as a weapon on the special teams side of the ball. He was asked about special teams coordinator Tom McMahon coming back this upcoming season, and he mentioned that for the veteran guys and also for the young guys, it's nice to have a little bit of continuity. And yes, Tom McMahon was really on the hot seat last year, and I think a lot of us thought – after the season concluded in 2020, we didn't think that Tom McMahon was going to be back with the Broncos in 2021. John Elway stepped down, George Payton came in, and George Payton decided, hey, we're going to run it back this season with this coaching staff. Now, obviously, it can change at any point in time, but I think for the Broncos, I think for Tom McMahon, there has to be an emphasis on these young guys. They have to play a lot better on special teams than they have been. Yes, that's really been it for Denver on special teams. 
they have thrown a lot of young guys out there. And being young, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And you're going to be doing it because special teams, honestly, is one of the fastest things out there in the National Football League. You're running downfield at full speed. you got to make sure you take the appropriate lane, the appropriate angle. And you have to make sure that you can block the right people as well. And, and we go back to the Carolina Panthers touchdown return that he had last season, 83 yards. You look at Deontay Spencer, everybody really did their job. I mean, how often do we really get to see – Punt returns for touchdowns in the NFL. I think that it's very seldom these days in comparison to maybe five, six years ago. Kick returns are a different story. I don't think that we're going to see too many kick returns for touchdowns because of the NFL's rules, being able to move the kick up a little bit. And oftentimes you see kickers, especially in Denver, when the Broncos play, opposing teams' kickers nail the ball into the back of the end zone. And usually it's a touchback, and defenses are willing to live with that. Now, sometimes based if they know that the Broncos' blocking scheme on kick return is not solid, they will force a returner. They'll kick it short, force him to come out of the back of the end zone because they're they're standing about two yards in. And there's a rule, too, that Tom McMahon has even touched on. If the ball goes two yards past the end zone, you do not return it. If it's a little bit from two yards to shorter, you field it, and then you have permission to go upfield and, and obviously designate a return. Sometimes we've seen players with their heels in the back of the end zone field it four or five yards deeper in the end zone, and then return it out, and then you get tackled short behind the 15-yard line. The Broncos have to avoid that. But Deontay Spencer has been probably the most consistent returner that the Broncos have had in the last few seasons, and, and he's been really solid there. So I think that despite the fact he's got a, a solidified role here at kick returner, punt returner, I also think he's going to play a little bit of a role at wide receiver this year. Don't be surprised if they sprinkle him in in certain packages. And we even saw it, too, before, uh, I believe it was with Rich Scangarello. We saw Deontay Spencer get used in a lot of those jet motion type plays. If the Broncos want to have two guys with speed, Deontay Spencer is one of them, and you also factor in K.J. Handler, they could get really creative on the offensive side of the ball. So a lot of opportunities for the Broncos to kind of dive in and play with their personnel, which is great. I think that's the most important thing that you have to identify. We can't just limit ourselves to this guy, this guy, this guy. If you can open things up as an offense with your personnel, special teams with your personnel, all the people that you have there, you have to have a solid combination of guys that contribute and veteran players. I think special teams would be huge, but for the Broncos offensively with Spencer, he's a veteran player right now that can contribute. He's been getting in the mix too in Broncos OTAs. We're going to find out a little bit more as Broncos transition a mandatory mini camp next week at the UCL Training Center in Eaglewood, Colorado. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to get to the conversation of what the Broncos offensive line needs to do in 2021 to improve from a personnel standpoint and from an execution standpoint. We dive into every single detail and we take a look at the key players and what the Broncos need to do in order to have success on the field in 2021. Before we do that, folks, I have to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's a good friends of their betonline.ag. And betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Getting into the conversation now about the Broncos offensive line, how they can improve in 2021 from a schematic and a personnel standpoint. And we, we heard from Broncos center Lloyd Cushenberry earlier this week. He touched on his performance in 2020. The Broncos in return under a new general manager with George Payton. 
They drafted Quinn Miners in round three out of Wisconsin, Whitewater. And there's going to be competition at the interior guard position. Yes, Graham Glasgow is back this upcoming season. There's so many storylines we have to really get into here. So let's start off first, I think, in terms of just some general bullet points as to what the Broncos offensive line needs in 2021 in order to see or have the ability to translate some success onto the on-field product. And that's continuity for a season almost at every position. Now, I want to make it clear, injuries are unavoidable. Absolutely. The Broncos, they've been decimated at several positions over the course of the last couple of years on the offensive line due to injuries, specifically a tackle, the interior guard position, sometimes center. But the Broncos have to find a way. And look, this is a hard if. If the Broncos offensive line can stay healthy, if they can have the same starting offensive lineup for a whole entire season, that would be ideal. The reality of that happening, I would give it under 65%, right? Because it's a longer season. Offensive linemen, you tend to get rolled up on sometimes. You can. It's easy to get hurt because you're playing in trench warfare. The most physical part of the game is won and lost between the offensive line and the defensive line. So you almost kind of have to discount the injuries will happen. I think that's why the Broncos have gone out and they've gotten some depth with Quinn Miners. Obviously, they're bringing in some offensive tackles, some veteran players. I think that Denver is trying to put a safeguard in on the offensive line, which is going to be huge. But having consistency at every position on the line, I think, will help not only just the quarterback and the running game, but it'll help the offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, get into a rhythm. It'll help give Mike Munchak an idea as to things that the Broncos can maybe add to the playbook or expand on. You have to be able to be a little bit multifaceted in that regard there. So continuity for a season in every position. That's bullet point number one. The second one, competition. Iron sharpens iron. Lloyd Cushingberry didn't shy away from how he performed in 2020. He touched on it on yesterday's episode, Lockdown Broncos, that it wasn't the standard that he held himself to and that he personally holds himself to. He understands he has to perform, and he believes that between he and Quinn Miners, the best person who has the most clean training camp preseason They'll win the job day one if they can execute and do everything right. A lot of it's learning the playbook. But competition is going to bring out the best in the Broncos' offensive line, specifically where trench warfare is involved. I mean, I love the term trench warfare because it's really true. It is violent in between the trenches, depending on even if you have a half-inch split in between the offensive line, if you have a foot split. It is brutal because that guy across from you is coming to try to take your lunch money, and you have to fight. I mean, it's the one time where you can get into a physical altercation in a sense, not throwing punches, but it is so physical and nasty, you see a lot of that kind of sneak in a little bit. And, you know, guys like Quentin Nelson, I mean, he buries people and he destroys them and then tells them, I'm sorry. Or he's just – the way he does it psychologically is unbelievable. The Broncos got to get a little bit of that toughness. Now, I've watched it with Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles, in my opinion – it has the ability to be a nasty, mean, tenacious guy. I mean, if, once he get once he gets leverage on you, we've seen him club people and then bury them. Garrett Bowles is the idea of that guy. I think that really can take the step in 2021. Who took a massive step last year, by the way, but taking that step in 2021 to where he becomes more violent. I want to see violent offensive line play. And the Broncos have to get there, so we'll see if if they have that. I mean, there's not many offensive lines around the NFL that have a complete stature of violent dudes. But you need violent dudes. And I think Garrett Bowles probably categorizes himself as, as a violent dude. Now, Quinn Miners as well. I, I want to maybe say here, and you can reference this at some point in training camp, I think that the first training camp fight that you're going to see at practice for the Denver Broncos, you see him every year for every single team around the NFL. I think that Quinn Miners is probably going to cause the first fight. I think he might be involved in the first fight. We'll just see. That's just a bold projection. I might put some money on that uh, with betonline.ag. But anyways, competition is going to be great. Quinn Miners is going to push Lloyd Cushenberry at the center position. I think Natani Muti is going to push Graham Glasgow. Now, Graham Glasgow is the penciled-in starter. And for Glasgow, this is a big year for him. Yes, he's been dealing with injuries, but 
he's been uh, he's been taking care of his body this offseason. He's been doing the necessary things. He's obviously had a really good strength and conditioning program. So there's some hope and some conversation I've had with people in Dove Valley that they believe that Graham Glasgow is poised for a really big season. However, you know, his price tag alone guarantees that he's the starting right guard. Now, the Broncos, anything could be open after the 2021 NFL season. If Glasgow struggles this year, Denver maybe could part ways with him or restructure his contract next year. But Natani Muti is a mauler, and he's very well-loved by Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper, one of the Broncos' off- assistant offensive line coaches. So there's going to be competition there. And then in terms of the right tackle position, Calvin Anderson right now has a great opportunity to sneak in and be that right tackle because Bobby Massey's dealing with a pec strain, and you can't make the club from the tub, right? So any reps that Calvin Anderson gets – right now, and also going into next week's mandatory minicamp, the time off, and then training camps when it's really going to get real. Preseason is going to be absolutely spectacular with how we take a look at uh, what they decide to do with the right tackle position. There's going to be a little bit of rotation there between Cam Fleming, Bobby Massey, and Calvin Anderson. I'm putting my money on Calvin Anderson, folks. You've heard it here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Now, also in pass protection, I think this goes back to communication on the offensive line. Uh, I, I had a user in the comments on Lockdown Broncos yesterday talk about what does Lloyd Cushenberry do if he does have a defensive lineman lined up in a one technique where he slants across his face and they blitz a linebacker? How does he avoid that? Well, I'm glad that you asked, right? So anytime that there's a zero technique, it's a little different in comparison to a one. If it's a zero technique, more than likely because it's head up. I mean, it's directly, it's a split down the middle. If a, if a defensive lineman's lined up in a zero, that's a one-on-one right there. Now, there still has to be the communication factor pre-snap that, hey, this guy might be blitzing. And you have to really take a look at where the linebacker is. If he's If his depth is two yards behind the line of scrimmage you can almost imagine he's going to blitz right because you don't necessarily see inside backers line up at two and a half yards off the line of scrimmage unless they're going to stunt a gap really quickly usually the average depth is about four yards from the line of scrimmage they read the guard they react and then they fill their gap now we've seen that you know if you have a one technique on you your key as an offensive lineman as a center pre-snap this guy's lined up in a one technique I'm communicating right away. I'm talking to my offensive guard to the right of me. I'm talking to the offensive guard to the left of me. And I'm saying, hey, alert, alert, alert. Because a one technique and what I've seen so far in film with the Broncos, anytime there's a one tech, usually that guard to the play side, right? If it's to the right side of of, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, it's going to be Graham Glasgow. Usually that player, that offensive guard is going to double team and help initially. He's got to protect inside out. So when the one technique slants down inside the A-gap, you're going to see Lloyd Cushenberry step down. He's going to have help from his other side, too, from the other offensive lineman, the guard. He's going to give a little bit of a leverage step there. Now, at that time, Lloyd Cushenberry has to hedge. You're touching, essentially, one of those shoulders. You're looking right here, but then your eyes are peeking at that linebacker. That linebacker comes. I'm passing off here. I'm saying, boom, okay, it's you, you, you taking the linebacker. That's what we didn't see too much of, but also teams got really unique with how they blitzed Denver last year. So if we want to ever want to go back and watch film on that, I will gladly Zoom call with one of you or any of you that want to do it. We'll go back, watch film, and I'll show you in a visual standpoint what it looks like. But I tried to do my best visual representation there on the YouTube channel. So pass protection, communication, if they can rectify that communication, they won't have some of those issues they had last year where it looked like Dalton Reisner or Graham Glasgow at times looked confused. So Keep an eye on that. And then finally, run blocking, improvement in angles on pulls, kickouts, and consistency. You know, sometimes I think when you pull and you see that oftentimes, sometimes offensive linemen, they hesitate. If the right guard is going to pull to the left side of the field, usually there's involvement of a kickout of the edge defender. So if there's a tackle right there and there's an outside guy that's wide of him, the tackle will not touch the outside guy because the tackle is going to crash down to either the play side backer, and then that guard's going to pull around and kick out the outside guy. 
Uh, it's just offensive line football. It is poetry in motion. It's beautiful. I love talking about it. I don't know if you can see it from me just explaining it that way, but improvements on angles and on, on pulling plays and kickouts, I think in terms of consistency, that will help get the run game going. But Broncos country, a lot about the offensive line we talked about in here. If you disagree with anything I said, hey, let me know in the comment section down below. Let's talk about it. Let's have dialogue here in Broncos country. But coming up here in just a moment, we're getting into the Broncos preseason action, some NFL rules that could be carried over into the next season. Coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I have to tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode of the show that's our good friends over there at Built Bar. And Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar that is out there. I vouch for Built Bar because I eat them every single day. Peanut butter brownie is my daily go-to that I put in the fridge or the freezer. I cool it up a little bit, and then I take a bite into it before I work out or if I miss breakfast or if I need something through the afternoon to kind of give me a little bit of pick-me-up. Built Bar is my go-to. They have nine amazing flavors, including the occasional limited-time flavor. And you can go to BuiltBar.com to check out all the flavors as well. They have a flavor for everybody, and you're more than likely going to love whatever Built Bar does because the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft, and they're easy to chew. Not to mention Built Bars are healthy, folks. They contain 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. And that is fantastic if you love chocolate, if you love something that's sweet, and something that gives you a little bit of energy. Built Bar is the go-to that you need to make as part of your routine every single day, alongside listening to the Lockdown Broncos podcast. And you can get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com. Using promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your next order. Once again, there's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The Broncos preseason games and schedule, they've been announced. We've known their opponents for quite some time, but some of the dates were up in the air as the NFL and the NFLPA had continued some ongoing discussions. Now, for the Broncos, they have two road preseason games, and they have one home preseason game. So, But if you look at the Broncos schedule under the 2021 microscope there, they're going to have 10 total home games. So Empower Field at Mile High, we already know 100% capacity this upcoming season. That's going to be great. The Broncos' first two games are on the road, and all games will be broadcasted here on 9 News locally here in Denver. But taking a look, the Broncos will play three Saturday preseason games starting in August. Now, August 14th, the Broncos, they're going to be on the road, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And the week of, they're going to hold joint training camp practices. And I think the relationship between George Payton and Rick Spielman obviously goes a long way in terms of setting that up, which is really interesting considering that the roster at that time is still going to be at 90 players. 90 players on one side, 90 players on other. I don't know how things are going to look from a logistics standpoint. Right now, it's a little unclear, but the NFL has announced and the Broncos and the Vikings have announced their plans to hold joint practices as that becomes a little bit more of an emphasis as we get a little bit closer. But on Saturday, August 14th, here on 9 News, the Broncos, they will travel to Minnesota, take on the Vikings. Kickoff is at 2 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time. And we're going to have complete coverage here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast post-game and also throughout the game on social media, on Twitter, at Cody Work NFL at Lockdown Broncos. But the interesting thing I think we have to talk about here outside of the date being announced is the dates in between the three preseason games. When you look at the Broncos, the roster cut down date, it goes to 85 on August 17th. So three days after the Broncos play on Saturday, the roster cut down must go from 90 to 85. So obviously the Broncos will have some ideas as to players they are going to put on the chopping block there. And more than likely, you're going to see some of these you know late stringers, these third string, fourth string guys we don't know who that's going to be yet. There's still a lot to be determined. Obviously, the roster could change at any point in time throughout training camp, so we're going to have you covered here on the show when that happens. So we'll see the, what the Broncos decide to do there. But their second game of the preseason on the road at the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday, August 21st. That's 8 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time kickoff. 
Once again, extended coverage here at the Lockdown Broncos podcast. All year long, you get game coverage, practice breakdowns, and all the day-to-day action in Dove Valley here on the show. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast provider and on the YouTube channel. But after the Seahawks game, three days afterwards, the roster cutdown date goes from 85 to 80 on August 24th. So the Broncos had to reduce the roster a little bit more. And they could actually, instead of just cutting it down by five, if the Broncos really wanted to, they could cut the roster down by 10 to 15 players if they wanted to. But they want to evaluate everybody. Now, the quarterback competition is going to be ongoing for the Broncos throughout preseason. And this is really where the question comes into the Broncos' home preseason game. Against the Rams, this is Saturday, August 28th, 7.05 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff, Empower Field a mile high. After that, three days later, the roster cutdown date goes to 53. Now, for that Rams game on August 28th, do the starters get any playtime in the third preseason game due to the quarterback competition? Do you want to open up your QB competition to at least a home game in front of your fans, right? Because you're going to start the first two preseason games on the road, and you're going to try to evaluate your quarterback as to who's going to be the starter. I don't know what the Broncos' approach is going to be. Now, historically, when preseason was four games, you see – Maybe the Broncos starters, they play a series in the first game. They play a half in the second game, and they play a half maybe in that third game. Uh, But outside of that, usually the fourth game was everybody that's not a starter that's fighting for those final roster spots. They're competing in that final preseason game. So between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, I have no idea right now where it's going to lie in terms of if the Broncos are going to play either of those quarterbacks on that August 28th game against the Rams. So we'll have to see how things go there. But obviously the Rams have been a preseason opponent for the Broncos for many years now, so they're going to continue there. Obviously a lot on the line for the Broncos this upcoming season with the ongoing quarterback competition that we're going to see throughout training camp preseason. But the NFL is also planning to bring back some roster rules from last year. According to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, he says all signs appear that the NFL is going to expand the practice squad once again in 2021 to open it up to 16 players. This is huge rather than just 11 or 10 players. I think that for the Broncos, you can stash some guys away and you can put some designation. You can protect some players. I like that because of the Broncos, you know, don't necessarily have an active roster spot yet for a player. They can store a guy there. They can protect him on a week-to-week basis, and then they can bring him up depending on certain moves because, yes, injuries are going to happen. Hopefully it's to nobody uh, in general that is a key starter. You don't want that to happen, but sometimes your depth is going to be tested, specifically on the special team side of the ball. Uh, also, unlimited amount of players are able to return off of injured reserve. This is great rather than, I think, being three players historically – This was a great benefit because Broncos players were actually able to return a lot quicker rather than having to wait eight weeks in order to do so. I love that that the NFL is looking at that. They need to make these rules, in my opinion, more full-time, not just in a COVID season. I think that this has to be uh, kind of an emphasis going forward. And there is a chance that the NFL finalizes this before the start of training camp. So having a little bit more of a clarity on that, I think will will go a long ways for NFL teams, specifically in the preseason. And then after you make these roster cuts, you really want to identify – who you want to bring back on your practice squad. Having 16 player spots available is going to give the team a lot of options to be flexible. But Broncos country, that'll do it for today's episode. Lockdown Broncos is great as always to join all of you here to talk Broncos football. If you ever want to get in the conversation outside of me just talking to you here on the podcast, on YouTube, on your favorite audio podcasting platform, you can interact with me on Twitter. At Cody Work NFL, I try to respond to everybody here in the comment section on YouTube. I also respond to everybody as well as much as I can. So if you ever want to interact with me, 
Twitter at Cody Work NFL. The DMs are open. If you want to email me, Cody at Cody Work NFL.com. Would love to talk Broncos football with you. But with that said, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for making Lockdown Broncos your daily go to for Broncos news, coverage, information, and analysis in a unique perspective from a coach's side, from a former player, and from somebody who's been in a front office football administrative position. You get to understand the different thought processes around maybe what a team decides to do. You get that here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But with that said, enjoy your weekend, Broncos country. Stay safe, have fun, and we'll see you on Monday for a brand new episode of the show, Broncos Mandatory Minicamp. It's approaching, and it's going to heat up with a quarterback competition.